Christmas, everyone. Christmas. Holiday season. It's fun, yeah? Lights and trees, and this is a festive season. Uh, our, you know, we have two girls in college, and they're coming home, and it's just a fun season. Um, hold on just a sec. I, the, my papers are all messed up. So let me make sure I'm in good shape. Okay, we are in good shape now. So, you know, this is traditionally a time where, like, you travel, you see your families, you celebrate. But it's been such a weird time, right, with COVID. You may have noticed that our worship director, Mike, is not up here. Guess why? <laughs> Well, he doesn't have COVID, but uh, he had lunch with someone who tested positive just last night, yesterday. So now he is trying to get tested, and it's just really, like, impossible <laughs> to find out. So out of abundance of caution, he removed himself just in case, right? It's just so disruptive, right? It's not just that you have COVID, but... Your kid's school, somebody has COVID, it shuts down, and then you have to stay with your kids. You know, what do you do if you have to go to your work? It's just been so crazy for two years, and it just won't go away. The New York just recorded the highest cases yet, right? Ever. I mean, when is it ever going to end, right? Do you feel that way? It's been so disruptive. A month ago, it felt like we were seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. As a family, we were going to go to Korea, you know, after this, you know, this service for Christmas. Uh, we have not seen, you know, my wife and I, we have aging parents in Korea. And we have not seen them for almost three years now because of this COVID. Last time we saw them was before the pandemic. And, you know, Korea has these strict travel policies that makes it very difficult to go. So we haven't been able to see them. And my mom, she's 85 and she's ailing. She doesn't have that much time left, right? And so I really, like, ache for her. I mean, I try to call her two, three times a day, but it's not the same. And she does not do Zoom. <laughs> it's just not her speed. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It just does not, it's just not, never going to happen, right? You know, she misses us so much. It's like, you know, we are like the light of her life, you know? And our youngest son, Caleb, last time she, she saw him, he was half my height. Now he's taller than me, right? You've seen him, right? He just... And she's missed all that. And it just feels so bad that this, this, this disruption to life, it's just been crazy. And we were going to go, but then with the Omicron, Korea changes the policy again, and they basically effectively banned us from coming. <laughs> and so we can't go, go. Thankfully, the airlines refunded with no fees because of the government policies. <laughs> It's been very difficult, right? Has it been difficult for you? It's been very disconnecting, alienating, confusing, the sense of being unmoored. Many of us feel 
lost and disconnected, right? It's not easy to find our bearings in such times. It's not easy to feel a sense of direction. Where is, the, where is my life going? You know, what's it all for? It's hard to be anchored with a sense of meaning and purpose. So today, as we celebrate Christmas, I'd like to take a look at the story of three magi, right? You know this story, three magi? I mean, it comes up in every Christmas play, right? It just does. <laughs> and I want to talk about this story because it's a story that can help us find a sense of direction because it's a, a story about people looking for direction and traveling uh, to find meaning and purpose, right? So let's take a look. Book of Matthew, chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Teachers of the law mean theologians, right? It's not, they are not lawyers. <laughs> uh, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to, him, to, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This story has been fascinating to many people. This, this story of Magi following a star for thousands of years. Even in Korea, when I was seven years old, my family were not Christians. They were just all secular people. Just public school, they had a Christmas play with Magi. You know, I was one of the Magi. As a seven-year non-Christian, had no idea what was happening. <laughs> it's just a very well-known story, right? There's spe some, something special about this story that captures the imagination, idea of following a star, going on a journey. So who are these magi? Uh, we're told they come from the east. This phrase was thought to refer to Babylon or Persia. That's almost a thousand miles from Israel. Um, they were thought to be kings or wise men with power and wealth enough to travel such a long distance with expensive gifts. So one implication of that is that they must have had it good at home. Don't you think? 
respected, wealthy, safe, they're wise, they're just, you know, have it good, right? So why would they leave all that behind to follow a wandering star for a thousand uh, miles 2,000 years ago? I mean, would you do that? And because back then, it's not like today where you can just like get on a plane and phew, you know, you're there in like hour and a half. Thousand miles, dude, I mean, that's a long time of travel, right? Many months through dangerous terrain. And they have wealth. They're bringing like gold, you know, to, right? Later in the story, they present all this stuff. Uh, they could run into bandits, right? They could get sick. They could run into unscrupulous locals. Robbed, killed, just anything could happen. It, it's, it's crazy times 2,000 years ago, right? So why would they risk such a thing to leave such a good setup and take on such risks? All seems so risky. But here's the thing about being human. It's not enough to have it good, isn't it? You can have it good, but it's not enough. That's good enough for animals, but not for humans. You know, physical security, material comfort, success, they're all good things. I wish them all for you this Christmas season. But as human beings, we need more. We need a sense of meaning and purpose that can anchor our lives, that can give us a sense of where our life is headed and what makes life worth living. We need that as human beings. And this is where the story of Magi becomes interesting because this is a story about finding hope and meaning and purpose and worth that can anchor your life. Not in wealth or power or comfort. If that was it, they would have stayed home, right, these magi? But in a barn of all places. That's where they find it, in a barn. When they saw the child with his mother Mary, they bowed down and worshipped him. Just think about this for a bit. The magi are extraordinary people, right? They are not your ordinary Sam. <laughs> they have wisdom enough to see a star and know what it means. They, they have wealth. They, they are extraordinary people like kings. And we find them kneeling in a barn. This is a picture of the extraordinary worshiping the ordinary and the humble. Do we have a picture of that? Right? This is a picture of the extraordinary worshiping, the ordinary and the humble. Which is upside down, don't you think? Because in this world that we live in, the world tells us that only the extraordinary is worthy. That's what we are told to pursue. Success, wealth, fame, and power achieve extraordinary things because that's what makes life remarkable and meaningful. You have to stand out. At least get lots of Instagram followers. 
That's what makes life meaningful in this world. You have to stand out and be a star. The world tells us to leave a mark, you know, build a monument, leave a name, have a legacy, and that's what will make your life meaningful. And nothing else is meaningful. But here, the extraordinary is worshiping the ordinary. Worship is an old English word that comes from two words, worth and ship. It means to ascribe worth to something. It means to give worth, place value, to say, to me, that's valuable. And a diamond is very expensive, right? But it's just a rock. It's because we give it worth that it's valuable. Do you see that? Can't eat it. <laughs> you know, it's because lots of people say it's valuable. It becomes valuable. Do you see that? That when you ascribe value to something, that's what gives it value. Whatever you worship, you are saying, that is meaningful. That is valuable to me. So what this story tells us is, in faith, in Christian faith, meaning and purpose and value and worth are found in the ordinary. <laughs> That's a message of Christmas. I find that encouraging. What about you? I find that encouraging because most of us are ordinary people. <laughs> right? We're not, we're not, most of us are not extraordinary by definition. <laughs> I mean, to be extraordinary, you have to be one in a million, right? Definitionally, you have to be rare to be extraordinary. So most of us are ordinary. That's the definition. If most of us are one way, that's ordinary, right? And seriously, it can feel like, what's my life worth? Eh? What is it all for? just one in a billion and just live your life you get up you live your day you go to sleep and everybody else does the same i mean what makes your life meaningful and valuable and you don't stand out you, you just feel like ah you know what i mean have you had those thoughts come on you must have Right? It's not worth much. Just any other chum. You know, what's so special about me? Or you? It just all feels so ordinary. Not much value. But our faith says, you and me, we are worth the life of God incarnate. God has ascribed indescribable worth to you. You may feel like you're just a rock, but God has said you are a diamond. God has ascribed this incredible worth to you. God has said you are worth the life of Jesus Christ, God incarnate. Does that make sense? That, that that's, that's what the faith is proposing 
Now, that's what makes you a Christian. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, that God has spoken this word. God has said, I, I ascribe this worth to you. That's the message of Christmas. I love it. Amen, yeah? So in this confusing world, anchor your life's meaning in ascribing worth to everyday ordinary human beings, including yourself. It's so easy to like beat down on yourself. <laughs> right? It just feels like you're allowed to do that. You can't beat down on other people, but you can beat down on yourself. Nothing could be further from the truth. What you cannot say to other people, don't say to yourself. Okay? So you're the same. And if you do that to yourself, you're going to do that to other people in the end. So be careful. And don't get so dazzled by impressive achievements. It will all disappear. It doesn't matter how much you achieve, how big of a monument, and, and, and they say, like, internet is forever. It is not. It is not. One day, the sun will go out or swallow the earth <laughs> in flames. One of the two will happen one day, billions of years from now, okay? All matter will, dis, you know, disperse and become, like, atomic. It, it just... If you give it enough time, <laughs> none of this is going to last. You know what I'm saying? It's just all going away. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing. So find your meaning in being kind and encouraging and cheerful to everyday human souls around you. Because souls will last. The spiritual residue, spiritual being of who we are, the essence of who we are, our faith says, that will last. And that's worth eternal value. And so live like that. That's my first suggestion for today. Find your meaning in everyday human beings. Be kind to them, you know, Treat them with respect, including yourself, you know, no matter what. And my second suggestion follows that up. Pay more attention. See, you, you, you pay more attention to things you value, don't you think? So pay more attention to people around you that seem very ordinary. Your, your friends, your family, your coworkers. These people you're with all the time. You know, the chums around you. And there's a ton of them. And so you can just feel like, ah, oh, you know, who cares about you? But ascribe words to them and pay attention. The Magi are good observers. They listen and see well. They see this star and they know what it means. Have you ever wondered about that? How did they know this star meant something? Right? They saw a star and they go, oh, that means this. Enough to follow it around for a thousand miles. <laughs> that must mean that they are careful observers, don't you think? They can see 
the value and meaning behind what can seem ordinary. And when they see, find themselves in a barn with a baby, they don't dismiss Jesus just because it's just an ordinary-looking baby in a manger of all places. Just, I mean, this is like homeless person, right? And they see great value there, enough to worship. That takes paying attention, listening and observing well. Third suggestion, be flexible. You have to be flexible if you want to be a good observer. Don't get fixed on your ideas and your thoughts of what it is. Be willing to adjust to people around you. See what they need and what they are saying. You know, the star they follow, it's not fixed. They move, it moves around, right? It goes north, south, east. They just follow it around. It's not a fixed map. It's like the Google navigation system, right? Just keeps telling you, turn right, turn left. You know, you have to keep changing lanes, right? You have to be flexible. Don't get stuck in your ideas. Most people get stuck in, in the cultural values of their times, especially when they are young. You get stuck in those ideas, what's valuable, what's not. Hundred years ago, women were not very valuable. You know, women could not vote. Women could not have bank accounts. Women could not own properties. They were more like property themselves. That was just hundred years ago, folks. And everybody was good with that, including Christians. Christians were even more so that way. Even now, they talk about how women can't lead, they can't speak in public, because the Bible says so. It's, it's fixed. B.S., don't you think? I can't say the full word on Christmas service in church. But what a full of bull... XXXXX, right? 200 years ago, Christians accepted slavery like it was God-ordained. In fact, half the country's Christians fought tooth and nail for the right to keep and treat other human beings like animals because they were so convinced that God blessed slavery. Did you know the largest denomination in today's Christian landscape was founded to defend slavery? That was its sole motive and the reason for existence, and it is now the largest denomination in the country. Wow, right? People get stuck in their ideas. This all came from rigid reading of the Bible and what sin is, what it is not. They were so passionate and convinced. When all that was just ever-changing cultural ideas of what the right thing to do is, what is acceptable, what is worthy, and what is not. What doesn't change is God's great love for every human being, no matter what no matter their skin color, no matter their economic status, no matter their sexual orientations, no matter what, God loves every human being. That is the message of the cross. For before we did or thought or do anything, Christ went ahead and died for us, the Bible tells us. 
that some may die for a good person. But what differentiates God's love is that while we were criminals, basically, <laughs> doesn't matter, God said, you are diamonds for who you are. And from there, everything proceeds. That's our faith. So, what I think is, if Christians remember this, if we were more open to listening and observing, if we were open to listening to people's stories and their pains, if we were more open to listening to women and slaves and people who are voiceless and, and everybody just accepts it because it's just the way things are, if we're willing to listen and take it in, we would have acted differently, don't you think? Right? So let's do that now, <laughs> from here on out. <laughs> Let's at least do that from here on out. We need to ascribe worth to every human being in faith. This takes faith because, you know, to be honest, people don't seem that great, right? <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest here. People aren't that great. They suck. Okay? It's just the truth. But let's learn from these magi. They saw worth, an ordinary-looking baby in a very smelly barn. That sucks. But there was worth there. Sure, it's baby Jesus, but Jesus hasn't done anything yet. All he's doing is crying and pooping. That's all Jesus is doing at the moment. Hasn't done anything yet. And, and even as an adult, I mean, he didn't cure world hunger or cancer. He just went and died on the cross, leaving behind just a few followers. It's easy to feel disillusioned, discouraged, confused, and unmoored. But our faith, our faith says believe that there is meaning and worth and value to your everyday life that just looks like nothing, that you just wake up saying life sucks, those days are of indescribable worth to God. Amen? Do you believe that? That's what Christmas message is. Amen. Let's celebrate.